Welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. Today, I am joined by Jonathan Sullivan and Anthony Squid, Gabriella. Fellas, how are we doing today? Living the dream, baby. Doing well. All right, you guys seem hyped. We are going to talk some NBA basketball. The season is almost upon us. Starts next Tuesday as we record on this Thursday, October 14th. A lot to get to. We're going to preview the Eastern and Western conferences. We're going to preview the Boston Celtics season. We're going to talk expectations, what we expect from the new additions, new new coach, and whatnot. And then we're going to end with our finals predictions. We're going to give our conference finals as well as our NBA finals matchups and champions. So let's let's get things kicked off and let's begin in the Eastern Conference. There's definitely plenty to talk about in the East. There, I think the two biggest storylines in the East are well documented coming into this season, and that would be the Ben Simmons saga and the Kyrie Irving saga. Ben Simmons in the offseason demands a trade, says he will, quote, never play for the organization ever again, end quote. What happens this week? He reports to Philadelphia, gets COVID tested. So not sure what exactly is going on there. Clearly, he still wants out, but it looks like for the time being, he's just going to suck it up and play rather than miss out on being paid. Meanwhile, over in Brooklyn, you've got Kyrie Irving, who says he will not get vaccinated and is... Basically saying, I do not care if I miss out on every single game this season. Don't care if I don't get paid at all this season. Although he will still get paid half of his salary because of the COVID mandates for the Brooklyn home games. So he can't lose money on that end somehow. Anywho, if Kyrie Irving is out for the foreseeable future, that is a black cloud that will hang over the Nets championship hopes for sure. But With that being said, let's talk about some of the favorites in the East. Squid, give me a favorite in the Eastern Conference for this season. So you want do you want my overall favorite? Ah, you can give me your your overall favorite or just one of the favorites. Alrighty. I will say I know it's gonna be a very Simmons Kyrie, uh, Kyrie centered show. Uh, so I guess I'll start with a team that's maybe a little more under the radar. And I'm gonna go with the Miami Heat. Uh, it's a team that I just feel like they constantly fly under the radar as far as like off season goes. And then the season starts and everyone just hypes them up a ton. They just do a great job flying under the radar. They had, they had addition of Kyle Lowry this off season as well as, um, PJ Tucker. So, I mean, they, man, they have a starting, they have a starting unit of just a bunch of really, really, really gritty dudes. All I know is I, I'm not saying they're going to win a championship or anything, but I will tell you the way Spolster gets those dudes playing, they're going to be a really, really tough out. And I'm not saying they'll go beat a Brooklyn or a Milwaukee in a playoff series, but I do think they're going to make that series win very, very, very difficult for one of those teams. And they, I, I, I do, I do like what they did down there in Miami this offseason, even though I absolutely hate that team. But I was pretty impressed with you know just how they filled their team out. Uh, they added you know more Markeith Morris as well. Um, they added, um, they obviously have here on they extended Duncan Robinson, so they got some shooters there. And I, um, I just, I, I really like Bam Adebayo. His growth is going to be big. So I think they're going to be a scrappy team this year and a team that kind of 
wins a lot of regular season games that they typically don't do. They're usually in the 45-game range. I think they're going to be a 51 team this year. Jonathan, what about you? Well, give me a team that you think is going to is a favorite in the East coming into this year. Yeah, so so I'll go more on like uh, Squid's take as well, more like not like a you know the team I think is going to win the East or anything like that. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Now I I feel like even though it just happened last season, I feel like people forget the Atlanta Hawks um, were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Um, but they got a young core, you know, Trey Young, uh, Kyle Herter. John Collins, Clint Capella isn't that young, but like, I, I like what they're building down. They, they made the coaching change. People forget like midway through the season last year and they really turned it around They They were quite dreaded at the beginning of last season. Then they kind of made the coaching switch and they, they became a pretty good team, went all the way to the Eastern conference finals. And I feel like people are kind of like forgetting about them. Like when they think of, when they talk about who's like really good in the East, um, you know, and I think the Hawks, I mean, they were in the, they were in the top two of the East last year by, you know, if you go by the playoffs. So I, I don't think like, like Squid said about the heat, I don't think the Hawks are winning the championship next year, but just watch out for them. Don't, don't write them off. They, they could easily win 50 games um, as well. I think if, if everything goes right and they stay healthy, they got some good rotational pieces too. in Bogdanovich and Gallinari, you know, both of those guys are all up there in age, especially Gallinari, but, he found the fountain of youth for, you know, a season or two. That's a pretty good, you know, young core with, um, you know, scrappy veterans and uh, good quality role players they get there. So I'm going to go the opposite route, and I'm just going to go with one of the teams that finished at the top last year because I think that a lot of people are probably writing them off this year, and that's because of the Ben Simmons situation. The Philadelphia 76ers are still a team where if Ben Simmons is on the court for them, they are still a threat in the East. I'm not, again, I'm kind of like in agreement with you guys. This isn't a, necessarily a team that seems ready to make the, get over the hump and win a championship. But with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the team, Tobias Harris is a solid starter. Seth Curry and Dr- Danny Green nailing threes on the perimeter. This is a team that can and will win plenty of regular season games and will be a, a problem in the East if Ben Simmons is able to play for them all year. So they're bringing back basically everyone from last place year's first place team. They don't bring back George Hill. I think they'll get over that one, but they did bring in Andre Drummond and that's, that's a nice little kind of uh, insurance policy for any time Joel and bead has to sit out for injury or rest purposes. Uh, But I think the real thing here is what happens with Ben Simmons. If he stays on the team and he's able to play for most, if not all of the year, I still think the 76ers can be one of the top teams in the East. Obviously, if he gets traded or he sits out, then uh, I reserve the right to take this back. (laughs) And Brownie, can I jump in on uh, the Sixers a little bit? Of course. Yeah, so it, it wouldn't be right if I didn't talk about the Sixers. I'm a very vocal person about the 76ers. So oh, I obviously, I hate, I, obviously, I hate them. Um, however, I'm going to say a nice thing about the Sixers. I really want to give props to Daryl Morey because, um, you know, Ben Simmons has several years left in his contract. Uh, he owed, he, he owed, the team owes him a lot of money, and he's under contract for a long time. And over the past, you know, five years, we've seen players try to get their way out of 
out of deals that have four years left in them and whine and moan and piss that they want to go to a new team. And the teams always give in and say, fine, we'll give you your way. We'll get a new player, even though the player has absolutely no leverage. So Clutch Sports thinks they keep doing this thing where they get their players out of whatever situation they're in. And Daryl Morey put his foot down. And I think that's really important that Daryl Morey did that to set a culture that and tell other GMs, no, you don't have to let these players push you around. Because guess what? Ben Simmons got scared. And he realized, I'm going to lose a ton of money. I'm not going to get traded. Daryl Morey is not going to trade me. Daryl Morey is going to put his foot down and say, I have the leverage here, not you. And he's going to keep me around. And that's exactly what he's doing. Good for Daryl Morey because other GMs need to do that. Put their foot down, not the stars control their whole the team's fate for the next 20 years. It's an absolute joke to me how the Rockets handled the situation with Harden. I mean, really, it, it's a joke. And I, I mean... I mean, do, these teams can do what they want, but I was really impressed by Daryl Morey there. And on another note, I think it's going to be a complete disaster. Uh, <laughs> I mean, props to him for doing what he did as far as keeping Simmons around and Simmons reporting. But the team, I mean, all the players hate Ben Simmons now. They wouldn't go meet with him when they were trying to go meet Simmons out in L.A. And Simmons wouldn't meet with him. Danny Green said, I'm not going to forgive the guy. I'm just, I hope he just comes as a professional and plays basketball. Um, so Danny Green doesn't like him. Embiid is saying it's fine, whatever. Embiid has a problem with him because he wouldn't freaking... I mean, we, we know this. They don't work together. They're going to win regular season games, but I inevitably think um, the Portland Trailblazers are going to, you know, struggle again. And the 76ers are going to realize Simmons and Embiid aren't working. And I just feel like a McCollum-Simmons swap at some point during the season is inevitable. Um, and, you know, there's probably going to be other pieces included in that from, from the, set, from the uh, Portland side of things, but I just feel like the 76ers team is going to be in turmoil all year. Doc Rivers is not going to know how to handle it. And even if they do, it's going to be a playoff collapse once again, and they won't make it out of the first round. And I just think Philadelphia is an absolute joke of a town, and they're a wannabe Boston. That's all. Yeah, uh, I think I, I do like you bringing up the point about the GMs. We're seeing that the, the league is definitely turning into a player's league where the players have a lot more say and input where they end up, not just in free agency, obviously that makes all the sense in the world, but even from a trade perspective, it seems like players, especially superstars, are increasingly getting more and more input and in, in say in where they get traded to, even though they really shouldn't have that right. Like it, It's one thing if you spend the majority of your career with a team or organization and they want to sort of repay you by, hey, we're, we're thinking about trading you. Give us some places you might want to play. That's one thing. But for a guy like Ben Simmons, who really hasn't done much for the 76ers other than win regular season games and be in conversations for awards, the, it doesn't really seem like he's in any spot to be in this position to be barking out, oh, I don't want to play for you anymore. Trade me. Especially yeah. after signing the extension that he did. That, that huge extension one that they shouldn't have given him and two, like, I mean, and I think Simmons is a fine player. Like he, you know, he rebounds, he's a good passer. He pushes the ball. He's an amazing defender. I mean, he's not, he can't shoot or anything, but I still think he's a fine player and, a, and an overall positive player on our team. But I also don't believe in Embiid's health and lasting the full year. And, you know, I think he's going to miss time at some point. And if Ben Simmons isn't there fully in it, then I think it's going to be a, a tire fire when he's, when Embiid's hurt. And I, you know, ultimately just don't think they're actually contenders. I, I mean, I think they might win. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll win 53 regular season games again. But when it boils down to it, they're going to get in the playoff series. They're going to have no go-to scorer who's not a post player like Embiid. 
who gets worn out by the end of games. And that's ultimately the issue we see over and over and over. MB needs an ISO guy in the perimeter that can hit shots. And that's what's most important for the Sixers. And they haven't fixed that need yet. And that's, you know, what's tough. Yep. All right. Let's move on to sleepers in the Eastern Conference. Jonathan, give me a sleeper team in the East that you're following. A sleeper team for me is a team that I personally just never really been a fan of them. Think they're a trash run organization and uh, they get off the hook because of who their owner is. But the sleeper team for me, if you know where I'm going, is the Charlotte Hornets. (laughs) I actually think the Charlotte Hornets are not that bad. Like, I I think that they can contend for, you know, they might be like this year's like, like this, they might be this year's Atlanta Hawks. Not that they're going to go to the um, conference finals, but just the fact that like everyone kind of doesn't have much confidence in them. But we'll have to see, you know, if Lamelo Ball uh, takes the leap. You know, Gordon Hayward is is, you know, he is what he is. He he's he's not a, he's not terrible. Same with Terry Rozier. They got you know they got a couple young guys, Devonte Graham down there. You know, they got some. Uh, Graham no, he left. might be gone. But they got, in New Orleans, but they still got some good players down there. Um, and you know, LaMelo ball looked like before he got hurt last year, he looked like he was legit, like should have been the number one pick in the draft kind of on his way to rookie of the year. And, you know, not taking anything away from Anthony Edwards. Cause he, he was sneaky, pretty good last year himself. But, um, you know, LaMelo ball looks legit and Terry Rozier is a solid player. And, you know, I think this might be finally the year that the, um, the the Hawks, I mean the Horn, sorry, the Hornets take another lead. PJ Washington too. He he's he's solid. You know he's a solid contributor at the four for them. Um, so they're they're a team I think that's going to make the playoffs this year. Um, and maybe you know I'd say their ceiling is like first round upset or something like that, like a six three or something like that, five four. Um, but yeah, they, they'd be my sleeper. I also have Charlotte as my sleeper. So I won't waste too much time expanding on what you said, but they did make the play in tournament last year as the 10 seed. The record was kind of crap, but the East is, is the weaker of the two conferences. So you didn't need too too great of a record to sneak into the play in tournament. And between they, they've got a lot of young talent. They do have a lot of question marks. So like you said, Jonathan, if they're able to put it together, Gordon Hayward, starts continues to return closer and closer to his pre-injury Utah jazz form. And you, you see another uh, great season from Terry Rozier as a scorer. That's your guy. Scary Terry. My guy did never wanted him to leave Boston. People forget. Uh, And then, and then you add that to another year of growth for the mellow ball. Mason Plumlee is no pushover at center and PJ Washington uh, down at the, at the four. I mean, not a championship team by any means, but a team that if if they can actually figure it out, like you said, Jonathan, I think they could be a sneaky playoff team. Don't Squid. forget my guy, James Booknight. True. James Booknight in the year. You heard here first. Oh, my. He's going to be great. Professional scorer. Squid, give me a, a sleeper team for you. I'm just going to be that guy. I'm going to go there. Uh, I'm just going to do it. The Celtics are projected to win 46 games. And I know they had a down year last year. They had COVID. They had injuries. They had a head coach that no one was listening to. They weren't tough. They were soft. You know, the whole nine yards. I'm not going to go into it because I know we're going to talk about them later. 
the Boston Celtics are going to win 50 plus games. The Boston Celtics, if things fall right and the ceiling goes the way that it could, could be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to say it here. I, last year, I was a little more down on them going into the season just because their, their depth was shit. But this year, they have, you know, real bench pieces, which we will talk about later. They have a head coach who ain't going to take shit from no one. And they have a roster that hopefully isn't all going to get COVID at the same time. Uh, I just truly believe if things fall right, this Boston Celtics are going to be go from that, you know, middling playing team or, you know, six seed up to a three seed and possibly the conference finals. I hope that's the case. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about some fun teams to watch this year. So basically what's the, the league pass team, the go-to team to watch on NBA league pass. Uh, I'll start. For me, it's uh, it's got to be the Atlanta Hawks, which is Jonathan's favorite. Uh, Trey Young is just an absolute superstar. We know that. They also ranked second in dunks last year, so everyone loves dunks. So you'll get plenty of that watching Atlanta Hawks ball games. They got plenty of shooters and scores to go around. And I think my favorite part about it, why the Atlanta Hawks stick out to me so much, they embrace the villainy. You got Trey Young just being an absolute theater in Madison Square Garden, just playing into the villain role. And not a, it's not just him, too. Teammate John Collins, when he dunked on Joel Embiid's face in game six of uh, the Eastern Conference semifinals and then wears a T-shirt of him dunking on Embiid after they eliminate the Sixers, that's cold. That's cold, man. So... Give me if I if I'm if I have league pass, I'm watching Atlanta Hawks games this year. Jonathan, what about you? This uh, I I hope I don't get many eye rolls here, but uh, I'm interested in watching the um, greatest team ever assembled. If the year was 2012 in the Los Angeles Lakers. I just, I want to see them. Um, I just want to see, I just want to see how it meshes together, how it blends. Um, I just, I just want to see it. I mean, they have so many old guys on their team. They are the oldest. I, I believe they're the oldest average age for an NBA team ever. Um, and it's just, it will be interesting to see if it can mesh. Cause if they can somehow tap the fountain of youth, uh, watch out. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. I believe we were previewing the Eastern Conference. Um, it says it says here NBA slash Celtics preview with Squid Conference previews. Favorite sleeper team you'll be most fun to watch. One storyline you'll be following this season. Nothing. Uh, see nothing about the East and the. Conference headlines. previews. Yeah, conference previews. Period. Oh, so you want you? So we're doing the East now. Yep, we're uh, we're live, kid. All right. Well, take take that <laughs> and just stick it, edit it out, and when we go to the West, uh, I'll take the Lakers, and then can I say the Celtics because I'm really interested in watching the Celtics. I know, like Squid said, we're going to get to them eventually, but they actually have a legit bench this year, which they did not have last year. Um, in addition to the leaps that I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to take 
And I, I, I love me a little Al Horford. Love that. Squid, give me a team in the Eastern Conference that you are looking forward to watching this year. Yeah, let me just yuck it on up here. Uh, <laughs> I, the, 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 I have two teams that I'm going to say I'm excited to watch, and it's going to be absolutely laughable, and we'll listen back to this in five months, and you will all call me idiots. Uh, one, the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> and, 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 it, and, and it's mainly because I want to watch Cade, because I think he's going to be really good. Uh, and two, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers because I think Evan Mobley is going to be the best player in that draft, and I really, really want to watch Evan Mobley, and I do think Colin Sexton is going to get traded at some point this year. So I just, I'm just interested to kind of see like how that combination meshes because there's some young talent there. I always love watching the rookies do their thing and see what they can do because, you know, it's the, it's their franchise now, and I was, and it's always good to see that on league pass every once in a while so they put up good games and hang with those good teams. Not saying they're going to be good or anything, but I just love watching, you know, talented rookies play. So let's move on and talk about some storylines to follow. Obviously, we've talked about Kyrie and we've talked about Ben Simmons. Uh, I won't go into more in depth into either of those, but what's one storyline that each of you would like to follow and go in depth more on here? Squid, I'll let you start. Are we going just Eastern Conference, this one? Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh boy, that's you know that's tough. I will. Mm, I'm not gonna obviously not gonna go Kyrie or Simmons, uh, just because you know it's gonna be talked about so much. You can go anywhere for that kind of content. Um, I I want to go my. Mm, it's, see, I, I want to go. It's a guy who I think is gonna be a top three MVP candidate, and I think that's Trey Young. Uh, Trey Young can't play a look of defense, but his offense is just extraordinary. I think the Hawks are going to win a good amount of regular season games, be a top five seed. Trey Young's going to put up 30 plus points a game, and that's going to toss him right in the MVP discussion. Um, it's not necessarily a storyline story yet, but it's going to be a storyline that happens soon when he comes out absolutely scorching at the start of the year. And I truly believe Trey Young is going to be a top MVP candidate because if you look around the league, the MVP candidates are wearing thin with guys like, you know, the perennial favorite of Giannis, who I mean, he's a big MVP candidate where I just don't really think he's going to care too much about MVPs. Instead, he's going to try to win championships. Uh, I think LeBron James is getting a little old to play too many minutes. He's still very good and he's going to play a lot of minutes, but I don't think he's going to be enough to win an MVP. Uh, Curry, obviously a big candidate and a guy like that. And I obviously think Luka Doncic is probably the betting favorite, if I had to guess. The only issue with that is I don't think the Mavs will win enough games to be for him to be an MVP. So I just think it lands on a guy like, possibly Trey Young or a guy like possibly Jason Tatum, depending on how many games those teams can win. Hmm. So one storyline I'm going to be following in the East is how quickly can the new look Bulls put it all together this season? They, they signed DeMar DeRozan. They signed Lonzo Ball. They just traded at the last year's deadline for Vucevic, Nikola Vucevic, and that, to add to Zach Levine. So you got four all-star caliber talents now all in Chicago. I want to see how, how quickly these four can mesh together, especially the three backcourt guys with DeRozan, Ball, and Levine. All three of them handled the primary ball handling duties on their teams last season. So while I don't think it should take very long for them to get adjusted and acclimated to playing with each other, I, I presume... Lonzo Ball will handle the majority of the playmaking ball duties for the team, and DeRozan and Levine will play more off ball. 
and there won't be any issues, but I'd want to see how it, how it functions, how it works and how quickly it will click. Cause this is a team that I feel like with those four should have very high expectations. I don't know if they're going to be in the championship conversation right off the bat this year, but I think it's a team that could certainly be a threat in the East and could definitely contend for a top two or even three spot in the East uh, in terms of regular season finish Um, playoff run to be seen. uh, But I'm definitely going to be looking to see how the bulls mesh as the season goes on. Jonathan. Um, So we talked a little bit about how, you know, everyone thinks that there's going to be a big trade going down in the Eastern conference with Ben Simmons. And I say this, not just as a Celtics fan, but I think we got to watch out what's going down in Washington too, because there was some speculation that Bradley Beal was trying to get traded this off season. Then they kind of shared it up. His camp came out and said that, you know, no, he wants to stay in Washington. It was reported that when Russell Westbrook got traded out West, that he had told Bradley Beal that he too should be requesting a trade from the wizards. And I don't think the wizards are going to be all that good this year. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, and watch if, um, you know, Brad, everyone thinks it's going to be Ben Simmons. That is this next, you know, star that's traded mid season. Like we've seen the last couple of years, but I don't know. I think, I think the next, the next big name to move could be Bradley Beal. And you got to watch uh, all the developments down there. You know, speaking as we're all our Celtics fans, there certainly are going to be plenty of rumors about Bradley Beal to Boston as uh, his relationship with Jason Tatum is so close. Yeah, we've seen plenty of those rumors already, so they're only gonna gonna heat up as the season progresses because that Wizards team sucks. Like, I'm sorry, they've got a lot of young talent, an unproven talent, but they there are a serious work in progress. And I know Bradley Beal is committed to that team. He said all the right things, and he wants to build that team into a winner. But if if they're just tanking. And in, in a full rebuild, I don't know how long he's going to be wanting to stay and be a part of that. So I, I'm very much looking into that as well. Before we give our playoff picks, who we think will earn the top eight playoff spots in the East, let's each give a bold prediction. I know, Squid, you kind of already gave one um, earlier, but do you have any others that you'd like to toss out? Um, I would... I would say my my bold prediction will be that the um, 76ers find themselves battling to try to get out of the playing tournament. Okay. What about you, Jonathan? Um, I love that take. Mine was going to be something similar to that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll readjust on the fly. And I will say the my are... Atlanta Hawks finished top three in the East this season. Okay. Uh, mine is actually pretty similar to squid, but a different team. I think a bold prediction is Brooklyn competes in the play play in tournament. You're crazy. You're, you're, you're crazy. <laughs> what are you doing? You're crazy. <laughs> no, think about it. Think about it. I, this is why it's bold. Kyrie Irving sits out the entire season, yep. refuses to play. Because of COVID vaccination, all it takes is one long-term injury to either Kyrie, uh, not Kyrie, Harden or Kevin Durant, 
and that team instantly becomes a lesser tier team by leaps and bounds. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying. I just, I don't think either of them are going to be hurt long term. So I know the that they, is, I know that Harden got hurt last yeah. year, and Durant's had issues in the past. But I don't know. I think they're finally they're good to go. Even if the guy that's likely to get hurt would be Kevin Durant, just because his age and his build. And even if Durant gets hurt, Harden's proven he can just carry a team to a four seed, yeah. no problem. And they have they they're not like they're not Joe dead. They're not dead beyond Durant and Harden. They're loaded somehow. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think if they if Kyrie does not play and they lose one of those two long term, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't yeah, be too, I would too surprised. Uh, but it would take some serious. Uh, it would take two out of those three being out for most or all of the season for that to happen. Hence why it's a bold prediction. But let's get on to our playoff picks from the East. Uh, Jonathan, I will let you. Lead us off. Who do you have winning the East as your one seed and then go on through one through eight? Okay. Um, my one seed is I don't see any. Um, I mean, I'm sure there will be a bit of a hangover from the finals, but I, I got the Bucks as the one seed. You know, Mike Budenholzer team going back to his days in the Hawks. They're going to win their games in the regular season. They're going to come out. All you got to do is just have effort in the regular season and you can just will your way to wins you know, on back-to-backs and stuff like that. All you got to do is play with a little effort. Two, I got the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Kyrie out, I think, honestly, is a distant by subtraction for them. Um, I think that was the right call to have him out the whole time instead of playing half the games and whatnot. That would just be terrible for chemistry, terrible for the storylines. And as we saw... Um, even without Kyrie and a a basically walking dead version of James Harden, if Kevin Durant wears a size 14 shoe instead of a size 18 shoe, they literally beat the Bucs in the semifinals and the Bucs don't win the championship. Number three, because they're my bold take, uh, is the Atlanta Hawks. Number four is the Celtics. Number five is the Miami Heat. Number six is the 76ers. I agree with Squid that they're going to be right on the edge for the playing game. Number seven, I have the Chicago Bulls. And number eight, I have the Charlotte Hornets. I think the Knicks, even though they made the playoffs last year, I do not have any faith in them this year. Squid, let's hear yours. Yes, I I am going to start with your number one seed, Brooklyn Nets. Um, I just just think uh, beyond... Harden and Durant playing it. I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think they have guys like, like they're just bench. They, they can, they bring out, well, they're not on the bench, it's the role players. They have Joe Harris. They have Blake Griffin, who performed really well last year. They have um, Patty Mills, who they signed, who's an awesome role player. He's a great shooter, stretches the floor, and he's a really smart, intelligent, high IQ basketball player. They have, I mean, I know he's an older, older man, but Lamar Aldridge will give them some points off the bench. Um, they have Bruce Brown who performed really well last year. I have Cam Thomas, who I love as a rookie, who's going to come in and give them buckets. I just feel like their roster is pretty loaded, and they're good. They're just going to kind of dominate through the regular season, even if Kyrie Irving's not playing. Um, that is going to be different from what I talk about later on, but I think they're the one seed. I'm going to have your Milwaukee Bucks as the two seed, uh, and I think the Boston Celtics will only come in a game or two behind them at the three seed. Um Atlanta Hawks at the four seed, your Miami Heat at the five seed. Um, 
76ers are going to be at the sixth seed. Your Charlotte Hornets at seven, and Chicago Bulls at eight. Ooh, not a lot of not a lot of faith in Chicago this year, huh? I just I just think it's going to take them a while. To, they're 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 going to be playing good by the end of the year. I just think it's going to take them a while to figure it out. Well, I uh, I see, I uh, think I have a lot more faith in them uh, as you're going to see here momentarily. Mm-hmm. My one seed is the Milwaukee Bucks. No surprise there. Two. I'm going Chicago. I think Chicago <laughs> has the talent where if they click right away, they will be a force to be reckoned with. Three, I'll go Brooklyn. The only reason I don't have them as two is because I think they're an injury away from being toast, unlike you guys. Uh, four, I have Philly because if Ben Simmons is playing, then I think they're still a top four team in the East. Five, Miami, I know they brought in Kyle Lowry, and they've got a really good big three between him, Butler, and Adebayo. But I, I'm not too sure if I'm ready to put them in that top four just yet. Boston at six, same reasons without uh, the big three. Whereas it's, I just gotta see, I gotta see it to believe it after last year. And then I have Atlanta at seven, Hornets at eight. So let's move on to the Western Conference. Western Conference obviously is very loaded. And last year, the playoffs were an absolute just show to behold. You had upsets galore, injuries affecting several playoff matchups. And ultimately, you had Phoenix coming out of the West and advancing to the NBA Finals where they succumb to the eventual champion, Milwaukee Bucks. So let's talk some favorites out in the Western Conference. Squid, give me a favorite for the West. Yep, I'm going to start with a team that I know will probably be talked about. I know the Lakers are probably the favorite, but I'm going to go Golden State. Um, I obviously love Steph Curry. He's an amazing player. He's just ridiculous to watch. He's just a video game. However, I do think Clay Thompson is going to come back, and I think his offense is still going to be immaculate. I just think he's... You know, one of the best shooters we've ever seen, and you you don't lose shooting by a torn Achilles or ACL. You're still able to shoot, and I think he's going to come out and just be absolutely scorching from three point range. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be the same defender, but I think he's going to be amazing at offense still. However, that's the reason they have a guy like Andrew Wiggins and a guy like Draymond Green and a guy that they went and signed in Otto Porter and you know Juan Toscato Anderson. They have some scrappy wings on there with good size where I don't necessarily think Clay Thompson needs to carry as much of a load defensively anymore that he used to. So I just think they're going to be a really dynamic team once Clay comes back from injury, which I think will be like some point in December. And, you know, when push comes to shove, when the playoffs come around, I think Golden State's going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with, and we're going to see them uh, on another deep run. Jonathan? Yeah, my uh, I'm I'm gonna go with actually I'm gonna go with the Denver Nuggets. I think the Denver Nuggets are a team that could, uh, you know, um, obviously um, Jokic is coming off the MVP there, but I think they they got a good team. You know, him, um, Jamal Murray, um, Will Barton. You know, they got they got some good players out there, and they just gave Michael Porter Jr. the max. <laughs> um, so they're, they're going all in, they're going all in with this core that they're, they're building, you know, they're, I wouldn't call Denver a small market, but they're certainly not like, you know, they're not a destination, uh, 
type market. So they've clearly determined, you know, we have to go in with the players we have now. And I, I like what they're building there. You know, the way they Jokic is like a like a unicorn, obviously, but I, I like the way they stretch the floor. They got some shooters there too. Um, so I, I like them this year. I think that, you know, last year we saw two teams in Milwaukee and Phoenix that I know was a COVID season. So if you want to put an asterisk on that, you can, but those are two teams that I think, especially Phoenix, um, people didn't really think, you know, we're getting, you know, finals picks for sure. I think Denver's a team that people think is pretty good, but I don't think many people think they're ready to get over the leap, you know, to take the hump. Um, but I think this could be the team, you know, I think, I think if everything comes together and their stars take, you know, another leap, which it seems like they've been doing, you know, Murray's coming off an injury. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays, but I, I think they could be um, a contender in the West for sure. Yeah. I think it really depends on how quickly Jamal Murray is able to get back onto the court. I don't know if he's expected to be back on by opening night. Um, but it may take some time for him to get back up to speed and back into form. Uh, but once he does, he's a force to be reckoned with and you pair him with the league MVP from last year. And yeah, it, they, they definitely should have championship aspirations for sure. My favorite is going to be the Utah jazz. And it, the question with them really is just, is this the year they finally figure it out in the postseason? They know how to win regular season games, just like, uh, the bucks do of late. Last year, the Jazz finished with the best record in the NBA. And this year, they're adding even more depth in the forms of Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gay, Eric Pascal. Their draft pick was point guard Jared Butler, who's a very scrappy point guard from Baylor University. And they really didn't lose much. All The only rotation player that they lost was Derek Favors, because I don't really count Gorgie's name as a rotation piece for them. So they've, they've added more depth. They brought back all of their key players. So it's not a question of how quickly do they mesh together for this team. It's a question of can they not only put themselves in a position to have home court for the playoffs, can they actually take advantage of that and make a deep playoff run for a change? Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to make that playoff run this year, but there's absolutely no reason the Jazz shouldn't be able to finish very highly in the standings in the Western conference this year, even if it is super competitive out in the West once again, but let's move on. Let's talk sleepers in the West. Uh, let's, let's start with you, Jonathan. Give me a sleeper team in the West this year. Well, I don't want to say that this team is like um, a sleeper because everyone knows who they are, but I think that a team that could finish sneaky pretty high in the West, like I'm talking one or two potentially, is the Dallas Mavericks. And that's because, sorry if that's yours, but my opinioning might be different than yours. And that's because obviously Luka Doncic, you know, they got Tim Hardaway, them boys, Porzingis, we'll see if he can stay healthy for the whole season and whatnot. But it's also because I look around the Western Conference and I know divisions don't matter as much as like in other sports like baseball or football. But when I look at like the West Coast, the Coast Division, whatever it's called, Pacific. I think that those teams, you know, you do play your division a little bit more than you play everyone else. I think it's like four times or three times or something like that. 
But the Mavericks are in a in in when I look at the divisions, they're in the the easiest one. You have Rockets who are going to be terrible, the Spurs who I don't think are going to be very good, the Pelicans who I don't think are going to be very good because Zion's a fat boss and he's going to miss like half the year, and the Grizzlies who are a scrappy team, but they're they're still a few pieces away from um, being a legit contender. And I think that they're going to be able to take advantage of that because the other teams, especially in the West, with Golden State and the LA teams and Phoenix all in the same division and playing each other, you know, that extra time um, is, is going to make a difference, especially when you're right on the margins. Um, and I think the Western conference is going to be close like that. And, you know, playing the Rockets four times instead of playing the Clippers four times, you know, like one of the teams in the West in the uh, conference like that, I think can make a big difference. So um, I'm, I'm going with the Mavericks for my, my sleep. I am obviously with you, judging by my facial reaction that you cannot see on this audio form of the podcast. Uh, And that is not so much due to the schedule, but just like you were saying, you look around the league and there's injury concerns to be had. How how long is Jamal Murray out with his ACL injury? Is he going to be able to get back? Like you look at the Clippers, how long is Kawhi Leonard going to be out? You look at the Lakers. That's one of the oldest teams in the league. Like, are they going to need maintenance days? Are they going to fall to injury? Like, I know saying, I know speculating on injuries, you could say that for anyone. But you look around the league or around the conference, Golden State, Clay Thompson coming back from back-to-back serious injuries. There's a lot of injury questions to be had in the Western conference. So I think if Luca puts together another MVP caliber performance and you keep a a healthy Porzingis on the court for most, if not all of the year, and you get that supporting cast help Dallas, I absolutely agree with you, Jonathan could be easily a top four team in the West after a couple of years of kind of being that five, six, seven, eight range. So Dallas is also going to be my sleeper squid. What about you? Yeah, my slipper is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I just, you know, Jaws obviously very good at basketball. He's not actually the reason they're my sleeper. The reason they're my sleeper is because I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have a breakout year. He was hurt last year, uh, which was kind of, but before he was hurt, he was shooting the three point, three pointer at a high clip for how large and great of a defender he is. I think him and Jaws can be a super dangerous combo. I really, I just really like what they're building there. I like players like Kyle Anderson. Uh, and, you know, yeah, Dylan Brooks is a really scrappy player. And um, remind me, the, the, they, they drafted a rookie last year. He played, he shot really well. He was from, uh, oh, man, I've drawn a blank right in the middle of my, in, right in the middle of my take. But uh, they got, they got some good shooters. They got some good shooters there. And I just really think Memphis is going to, you know, take a little step forward this year. Um, you know, Steven Adams down low, he's, he's not the best, you know, versatile player, but I, I do think he's kind of a rock down there. And I do think Memphis is kind of going to kind of figure out, figure it out this year and become like a, I don't know, four or five seed. Desmond Bain is the shooter you're thinking of. Desmond Bain. Yes. TCU, right? He, the, the Celtics had his pick and they traded him. Yeah. I was really <laughs> mad about that. I was really salty. <laughs> it's all right. We got Peyton Pritchard. You can shoot from the logo. <laughs> and Neesmith, the best shooter in the draft. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about one of, or let's talk some teams that we're going to enjoy watching out West. So the league pass team out in the Western conference uh, for me, it's going to be the Phoenix suns in years past. This was probably a no brainer, 
just because of the way they played. Uh, very up-tempo. That's not as much now that Chris Paul is in town, but with Chris Paul in town, now you get that blend of pushing the, the pace with Cameron Payne on the floor when he fills in for Paul and just that ruthless, just unparalleled level of execution with Chris Paul directing the offense. Uh, and if you need any proof of that, go back and watch the Phoenix Suns playoff run last year. Those, some of those playoff games were just absolutely electric. Speaking of electric, Devin Booker. He is a walking bucket to be had. That just him and Chris Paul alone is enough of a reason to watch the Phoenix Suns on a, on a weekly to, to game-by-game basis. Uh, and that's without even bringing up the likes of DeAndre Ayton and uh, some of those other guys that they've got on the bench that just have scoring and shooting to, to go around. Uh, so I'm definitely going to be watching some Phoenix Suns games uh, if I get the chance. Squid. Yeah, it, there's one answer to me, and it's, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I just think they're must-watch television, and you, you won't need to buy a league pass to watch them because they'll probably be on national TV every single night. Um, <laughs> Literally. And when you think about it, they have six Hall of Famers on their team. I'm going to go through them real quick. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, um, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard. Um, that's four, right? Russell Westbrook, five. And I, pers- I personally think he'll be a Hall of Famer. Razor Rondo, six. So that's six Hall of Famers on one basketball team. I know they're old. I really don't care. The basketball IQ besides Russell Westbrook is going to be through the roof. And I just, they're going to be must watch because that's so entertaining to see all those players. Like it's, it's, it's truly the, the Lake show is back. Yep. And Jonathan obviously had the Lakers as his uh, fun team to watch this year on league pass. Uh, so we won't have him repeat himself here. But let's, let's move on and talk about some storylines that we are going to be following out West. Uh, Jonathan, you can go ahead and lead us on storylines. So I kind of mentioned this previously, but a storyline that I'm watching is similar to the one in the East, and it is with that fat bust. Zion Williamson came out today that he's just out for two weeks. He's coming off a of foot surgery. He's basically just out indefinitely. Um, last year they brought in, um, Stan Van Gundy. He's out after one year and David Griffin, the GM is literally nothing without LeBron James and Cleveland making decisions for him. And so it will be interesting to see. I think this Zion is what 22 or so. And I think literally he could be requesting a trade, um, by the end of the season or, partially through this season before he even signs that humongous rookie um, super max, which we know he's going to be eligible for if he can stay healthy, but he is a fat bust. So I'm just watching the Pelicans because this is a team that I think last year, you know, going into before the bubble pre pandemic, you know, people were looking around, especially when Ingram took that leap after, you know, and they lost Lonzo ball who that's your guy, Ryan with the bulls. Um, I think that this is this team is just blown up. What was once like on paper supposed to be, you know, this a couple of years ago, you would have said in 2021, 2022 season, the Pelicans are taking the leap. You know, this is going to be a top whatever five team in the West. They're they're here, they're arrived. 
And I think they might be similar to what happened with the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple of years ago where they had that young core and everyone thought that they were going to take a leap and then they ended up getting the number one pick because they were still terrible. Um, and I think that this, this could be a similar situation developing in New Orleans. Yeah. He, Williamson has had three different head coaches in three seasons now with the Pelicans. So that's the way that, to get your uh, superstar happy and content with uh, the stability in the, uh, in the building for sure. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if Jonas Valanciunas uh, makes a difference for them. Uh, but yeah, they lo- they've lost uh, plenty of talent. It's, it's basically Valanciunas, Williamson and Ingram. Yeah. In the well, so the, um, that means that the uh, the Grizzlies, I guess, have to win the championship this year because the um, the Pelicans make trades, um, and then the who they trade wins the championship because they went Anthony Davis uh, one year, and then they traded Drew Holiday the next year, and they both won championships. So. Yeah, it was on something sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Squid, give me a storyline you're yep. following. You two are not going to like my storyline because you pretty much said quite the opposite of what I was going to say. Um, I think this is going to start an absolute disaster for the Dallas Mavericks this year. Um, I obviously love Luka Doncic, and I think he's going to become the best player in the league if he's not already there. Uh, However, he has, in my opinion, one of the worst supporting casts I've ever seen for a young superstar like this. Um, Luka's incredible, but Chris Dapps can't stay healthy. Even when he is healthy, I don't think he's very good. He just... I, I don't trust that guy to remotely be healthy, whether it's a playoff series or in the regular season. Um, they're bent. I mean, they got players like Tim Hardwood Jr. He's okay. He's fine. You know, a guy like Jalen Brunson, he's pretty good. He's fine. You know, Dorian Smitty Smith, he's fine. Um, I don't know. But they added Reggie Bullock. That was their big addition. I just don't trust this team around Luka Doncic to be, to be good. And I think it's actually going to become a major, major issue where Luca's going to be like, you need to get me a second star here or a player that's going to be able to run with me. Otherwise, I'm going to hold out like Ben Simmons. It might not work for me, but I'm going to lose my mind if you don't get another player in here. And that's why I think a team like the Dallas Mavericks should be seeing this Kyrie Irving stuff and be saying, hey, well, we don't require vaccines down here in good old Texas. Let's go get Kyrie Irving to play with Luka Doncic because they need to do something because I think Luka's going to become unhappy really, really, really fast. Hmm. I think the storyline to follow out West and it's kind of along the lines of what you were talking about earlier squid and that's golden state. Can they return to form now that they are bringing back a healthy clay Thompson? You pair that with Steph Curry, who's he's had his fair share of injury issues, but he when he's playing on the court, he is an MVP caliber performance night in and night out. He, Will Draymond Green be able to get back going and be that defensive player of the year candidate that he was for so long? And where do the other guys fit in? Does, does Is Wiggins going to be able to kind of fit in and be a, a solid contributor now that you've got Curry, Thompson, Draymond, and those guys all across the board? I want to see how the if how well they're able to function with Clay Thompson returning because last year they kind of struggled between the injuries, not having Clay Thompson at all, and they had to play in the play-in series before they lost. And now, where everyone's talking about, okay, well Thompson's back, they're going to be one of the top teams in the West, and I'm not so sure 
I think they have the plenty of talent to be that. I'm just not sure if they're if it's going to happen right away. So I'm definitely going to be following Golden State and seeing how how well they're able to re- how much they're going to be able to return to form this season. And let's let's move on to a bold prediction before we give our playoff picks. Uh, Squid, give me a bold prediction out west. Bold prediction of mine is the uh, is that the Clippers struggle to maintain a, a high seed in the uh, Western Conference and end up in the playing game just simply because Kawhi is going to be out for such a long time. I think they'll be fine. I think Kawhi will come back and they'll win the playing game, whatever, and you know make a good playoff run. I just don't think they're going to be a good regular season game. And I know it's not that bold, but I just think you know it's going to be hard for them with the roster they have to sustain a high seed in the West. Mm-hmm. Jonathan. All right, this this is pretty bold coming from me. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs in the Western yeah, Conference baby. this year. This is they are a sleeper team, the sleepiest of the teams. Um, you know they got D'Lo, they got Cat, they got Anthony Edwards. You know they signed Pat Bev. They got Pat Bev now. Get a little uh, get a little junkyard dog type of energy I think they've been missing. I think he's gonna get on Carl Anthony Towns because Carl Anthony Towns definitely got this um this stereotype. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I feel like he's got this developing stereotype. He's a little lazy, doesn't care about winning all that much. You know, him and Jimmy Butler kind of went at it when they when Jimmy Butler was in Minnesota. Um and I think that you know they, he's mature now a little bit. He, he's finally ready to win. Um and I think that this is the year that the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, they get back. They get back to the playoffs. You know, they probably lose the playing tournament, um, but they're they're back. I they're, love it. You got you have postseason basketball uh, in Minnesota this year, potentially. I should have gone before you. I should not have let you go before me on this one because my bold prediction is that Cat will lead the Timberwolves to a top eight regular season. <laughs> hey, so, nice. <laughs> hell yeah. Hey, great minds think alike, right? Yep. You know it. So let's let's give our playoff picks then. Uh, I will kick us off on this one. Uh, I have Utah finishing atop the West uh, yet again. Uh, I'm going to go... With Phoenix at two, I'm going to go with the Lakers at three, Golden State four, Dallas at five, Denver six, Clippers seven, and then I'm going to say that the Pelicans will earn the eight seed. Jonathan. Too high on, too high on the Pelicans. Yeah, I know. Um, all right. I got the Nuggets one. I got the Jazz two. I got the Mavericks three, Clippers four, Lakers five, Warriors six, Suns seven. Not very high on the Suns this year. And then Timberwolves eight. Sneaking in there, baby. <laughs> Squid. Alrighty. I got the uh yeah, I got the Phoenix Suns one. I have the Utah Jazz two, the Los Angeles Lakers three, the Golden State Warriors four. Um, your Memphis Grizzlies five, the um, wow, I'm blanking out once again. Wow, it's crazy. Um, oh, help me here. Who, uh, what team did I miss? I missed the, a big team. I, I, I just, thank you, Denver. That's who I was thinking of. Yep, Denver next, and then your uh, the Clippers falling into that seven spot, which is I believe is playing. If I'm correct, 
Yep. And and then the eight seed uh, is really difficult. I don't disagree with you guys about uh, I don't disagree with you guys about the Tim Rolls making it. I just think they'll make it as a nine seed into the playing tournament. But I, I do think Dallas is going to be down at the eight seed. Uh, and Portland's going to be one of the other teams filling out the playing mm-hmm. playing tournament as well. All righty. Now we'll save our uh, conference finals and NBA finals predictions for the end of the show. But let's talk about the Boston Celtics. I, I know, uh, Squid, you're running short on time. So I will let you get us going on this. Give me your expectations for the Celtics this season and anything else you want to get off your chest in terms of the Uh, Boston Celtics. So I I think this Boston Celtics had a masterclass of an offseason. I'm just going to say I was all in on them trading for Horford before they did it and just unloading Kemba's contract. I love the move. Al Horford's a great locker room guy. He's a great presence on the court. He's a good passer. And I just expect the Celtics to jump back to where they were the year before. I think the Celtics are going to be due to you know, I just think Brad Stevens was the coach. So he had a really good feel of what the team was, what the issues were as far as like, you know, player, the team meshing chemistry, things like that, and what who they needed as a leader. And the players they got were really tough players. Josh Richardson, tough player. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, really tough player. Like I'm not necessarily saying the most talented, but they're, they're grinders. They're going to, you know, they're kind of, they're not going to take, take anything from no one. And they're going to go out there and they're going to, you know, play really hard basketball alongside Marcus Smart. And that's going to, I think, I think that's going to trigger something for Tatum and Brown this year, which is really exciting. And I just have very high expectations for them because I think Ime is going to demand a lot from them, hold them accountable, which Brad didn't always do. And I think Brad Stevens really has a great outlook on this team because he saw what the issues were firsthand and he knows how to fix them. And I think he did fix them. And I just, I expect the Celtics to be a three or four seed in the East. And I don't think they should win any less than 48 games. Okay. And uh, real quick, before you get, I have to get on out of here. Why don't you go ahead and give your conference finals and NBA finals predictions? Yes. My, uh, my Western conference finals is the Lakers and the, uh, the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. And my Eastern conference finals is the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. Uh, I am not saying the Celtics are, I just think they're going to beat the Bucks in a playoff series. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to get demolished by the Nets. The Nets go to the finals because I think Kyrie will get vaccinated by then. And uh, I think it's going to be Nets in the finals versus the Lakers. It's going to be one of the craziest finals ever that we look back in 20 years and be like, just the names that were in this series, it's going to be nuts. And I think at the end of the day, unfortunately, it just pains me to say this so much because obviously I would want both teams to lose. That would be awesome if that was possible. But I think the uh, Los Angeles Lakers are going to win the title and they're going to pass the Boston Celtics for overall franchise titles, however, they weren't really in in Los Angeles for the first whatever several, so it doesn't really count. All right, fair enough, sir. I uh, appreciate you hopping on, Squid. We'll look to have you back on soon down the road. Yeah, it's been fun, guys, and I really hope we turn the season around so we don't have to be so miserable in Boston this year. And go Sox, we're winning the World Series. Yes, Sox and four, baby. Sox, Sox and four. four. The Astros can eat dirt. All right, Jonathan, let's let's skip back to Celtics. Give me your expectations for the season. Um, My expectations are, I would say, are honestly pretty similar to what Squid said. Um, I think that they can they should push 50 wins this year They're They actually have a legit bench this season, which is nice. 
And looking around the East, you know, the only teams that I would definitely say are better than them are Milwaukee and Brooklyn. So I think that they can definitely push for the three seed in the East. Um, does that get them into the Eastern Conference Finals second round? You tell me. But I think that second round um, should be their should be their expectations um, for this season. That would that would be my expectation for them. Yeah, I think At given least. given where I have them slotted in in my playoffs, I have them as a six seed coming in this year. Uh, I'm obviously not as high on the team coming into the season. Uh, I think, like you said, they definitely have the talent and the roster to push for a top three spot in, in the conference. Uh, but I think it has to be a wait and see approach. Uh, see how the new guys click, see how, it, how a new coach changes the sort of philosophy and whatnot around the team. And before I can really say for certain, yes, they are definitely going to be one of the contenders in the conference. I mean, we've seen them go to the, the conference finals in multiple seasons over the past few years, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. And last year showed that something just wasn't clicking. And maybe it was the fact, like Squid said, that they weren't listening to Brad Stevens whatsoever. Maybe it was just because Kemba Walker just did not fit with this team and or whatever the reason may be. Uh, I'm, I'm very... I want to say I'm cautiously optimistic about the team's chances this year. I think they, like you said, I think they could win a playoff series or two, maybe get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't think they're quite ready yet to get back to the finals. And I don't know if the talent will translate to wins in the regular season. I, there's no reason they shouldn't finish in the top six this year, but I don't think in the conference, but I don't, know if that if it will be as high as it should be sort of like last year uh let's now i know we've we haven't gotten into sort of the new guys as much we've kind of scratched the surface on that got a new head coach in i'm gonna i'm gonna mess this up yume udoka yume udoka sounds good to me uh and then you've got new guys dennis schroeder You've got uh, Josh Richardson. They bring back Anis Cantor. They trade for Juancho Hernan Gomez, Bruno Fernando. They bring in Ryan Archie Diacono. Uh, they trade for Chris Sale for 25 days, then <laughs> trade him out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think one of the, the things that we will definitely be keeping tabs on in terms of the new guys is Dennis Schroeder. Because if he plays well out of the gate, that could uh, definitely put some pressure on Udoka to put, insert him into the starting lineup. And I don't know if that's the plan starting right off the bat, but if it's not and Schroeder gets off to a hot start, it's going to be tough to keep him on the bench. Um, and in that case, you're rolling with a lineup potentially of Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Robert Williams. That means you're bringing Al Horford off the bench, which I don't think anyone has a problem with. But I think uh, Schroeder, of all the new guys, is probably the guy that you need to step up the most. Uh, if he doesn't pan out, it, it I don't want to say the season. The season's not over by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he could be an X factor between the Celtics being good and the Celtics between 
being really good or even great. Fair. Uh, what when you talk about the the new players and the new coach Jonathan? What are your thoughts? Well, I, you got to put an asterisk on Al Horford because he played with so many of the guys here. Yeah, he, uh, your top two guys in Brown and Tatum, he has a lot of experience with, which is all that really matters um, in the NBA. But Schroeder coming over, I, this he's on a a one year deal, correct? Um, so yep. this this is basically this is a prove it deal for him. He turned down that big contract um, with the Lakers like a midway through the season or last offseason. Didn't work out so well for him. Um, and so he's definitely here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to ball out and put up a, put up really good stats and get his, get his name back out on the market and get a big contract in the offseason, probably not from the Celtics, um, which I don't hate. Though let let that be known, I do not hate that um, because it it probably means that you're going to get the best from him, and he's a guy that's kind of built up this reputation of kind of just you know kind of going through the motions almost, especially when he was in the Lakers. You know, LeBron didn't really like him uh, going into the playoffs last year and stuff like that. Hernan Gomez, I think, is is going to be solid. Um, you know, rotational piece, bench player probably, but an actual NBA player, you know, it's not, you're not running Javante green off the bench as your seventh man this year. Um, and same with like Josh Richardson, this is a legit NBA type talent, not Carson Edwards, like Javante green running off spot starting for you or whatever. Cause someone's hurt. You have legit NBA established veterans on your bench, which is a sigh of relief. No more of these young trash cans running around having to fill minutes. Yep. And I 100% agree with you. Like you, there's absolutely no pressure anymore on a guy like Romeo Langford to have to stay on the court and be a rotational piece. Like if you get whatever you get from him is great. Whatever development you great, you get from him. That's fantastic. But he, it looks like he, he might be on the outside of a 10 man rotation trying to get back in, uh, with all the recent additions. Um, so that's, I mean, I definitely am with you in that. It's going to be nice to have a mix of veteran proven players to go with that young up and coming talent. Uh, now let's, let's, let's each talk about a storyline for this team coming in. Um, I think the storyline that I'm going to be watching for this team is the continued development of Robert Williams. Uh, last year, like I I've been screaming with this team that they have needed that kind of low post presence on the defensive end, somebody who can protect the rim and grab tons of rebounds, just gobble up the boards. And Robert Williams has shown plenty of flashes of being able to do that. His problem has just been being able to stay on the court consistently. Um, when he's been on the court, he has shown that he is fully capable of being a starting center in the NBA. If you look at his stats, they don't on the surface, they don't reflect that last year. He only averaged eight points and seven rebounds per game with about two blocks and one steal. Uh, But he only played in 52 games, only started 13 of them and uh, only averaged 19 minutes a game. So I'm, if he can 
develop into someone that can not only stay on the court, but handle a starter's workload. Those stats are going to pop off, I believe, big time. Because the third, the per 36s show that he would be a beast if he could handle and, and do that. Um, so if you get to if you can get him to be a starting center and be able to handle that type of workload day in and day out, I think that that is going to take this team to the next level. And you've already seen him not only as a true center, but he can, he, he's sneaky good at playmaking. Like he is, if, you can, you can play him in the post. It, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but it'll be good to have someone that is a, is less athletic, obviously, but plays with hopefully a similar mindset. You basically want to run Robert, Robert Williams, like a more athletic version of Al Horford on offense with the yeah. less Al Horford has a better jump shot, but, um, you know, playing through him is, is similar. Yeah. And in, for Robert Williams, he's slowly but surely gaining some confidence with his own mid range jump shot. Like it used to be, Oh God, why is he taking that shot? And now it's like, okay, maybe he's going to hit this. Like, yeah, I think, I think it will be interesting to see. You'll know probably right away. But if he is really going to take the leap, which I think they are hoping he does because they gave him that big contract in the offseason, I think it's not only are you going to see the elbow jumpers, but I think if you really want to take the leap, um, he's going to start popping the corner tray. Because I think that's I think that's the next that's the next big, big step. If he's a solid free throw shooter. He shoots about 70 percent. Mm-hmm. Or 60, 65% for the line, which isn't great, but it's pretty solid for a big man, pretty respectable for a big man. Um, and if you can consistently shoot hit free throws, to me, that proves that you probably have the range to step out and take a three every once in a while. If he is able to stretch his game out from 15 to 20 feet to the three point perimeter, uh, that would be huge. I don't think it's necessary. But I think that could adding any extra dimensions to your game is uh, more than welcome uh, in the NBA. So uh, that's that's kind of the storyline I'm watching, the development, the continued development of Robert Williams III. What about you, Jonathan? What's one storyline you're kind of watching for this team? I'm looking forward to, and I know this is my guy, but I'm looking forward to the Jason Tatum development as an all-around player. We know he can score. That's pretty obvious. What I'm looking for is real consistent effort on the defensive end because he has good length. He's going to be going up probably defending other threes or fours, and he has the size well enough to compete with them. I'm not asking him to make an all-defensive team, but just to be that consistent effort um, on defense that make you say, like, man, this guy is, you know, he is an actual two-way player and not the comparison that he sadly gets far too often and wrongly gets it, that he is a younger Carmelo Anthony. Um, and then passing the ball, I he doesn't need to be, you know, he's not, people need to stop thinking that he's like Luka Doncic or like LeBron 
in that he needs to handle the ball and needs to average like a triple double or like average eight or nine assists like those guys do or Giannis because that's just not the type of player he is. Um, as you remember on a podcast um, a few years ago, and you didn't disagree with me, I said Jason Tatum's ceiling was Kevin Durant. Two other people in the room laughed at me, basically laughed. Let's say that was ridiculous. One is a basketball hater. The other is his worshiper. So I expected, you know, that to happen. But Kevin Durant is not someone that averages 10 assists. Kevin Durant consistently going back to when he really started falling out in Oklahoma City into Golden State. He was averaging anywhere from five to about six assists a game. Um, and that's what I'm looking for for Jason Tatum. Um, I think if he if he wants to take the leap from just a score to a real superstar, someone that is consistently making like all NBA first team, all NBA second team. Um, that is, that is what he's going to do because the points are going to come. He's going to average whatever 26 to 29 points a game this season. Um, it's just everywhere else where he's got to, you know, get a little bit better. Um, and I think that's coming because he's only 23. So I'm not that worried, but if he can make that leap, I think that that's, you know, the team is deeper, the team is better, but you still go as far as your best player takes you in that league. It's just it's just the nature of the league. Yep. And I mean, he's been steadily improving his game from the offensive end each season. Each each season, his points per game, rebounds per game, and assists per game have all increased. It's in especially the past year or so, we've seen how much his playmaking. He's gone from just oh, just as being that like you said, that just true scorer to someone who can create plays not only for himself, but for his teammates. And you're starting to see that be reflected in the stat sheet across the board. Um, So if he can, like you said, if he continues this growth and development, I mean, we're looking at someone who's going to be pushing for upwards of pushing for 30 points a game on offense, uh, eight to nine rebounds a game, five assists. That's, that's prime KD numbers. So uh, that, that's not a ridiculous comparison anymore. And even back then, I don't think it was ridiculous. I think it was maybe a little soon to say that that might have been the case, but it certainly wasn't far-fetched. Thank you. Um, now, let's, let's each give one bold prediction for the Boston Celtics this season. Uh, I'll go first because... I think you're going to really love mine. Uh, your boy, right. your boy, the greatest shooter in the draft. <laughs> oh, yes. The, Aaron the, the lottery pick, yes. Is going to average double-digit points per game this year. That is pretty bold. Because you must have watched the preseason game like last <laughs> night or whatever when you scored the team high. Yeah. <laughs> Solely based off of that. Yes. Um. He only, he only got 15 minutes of run a game last year. And while the initial shooting was obviously uh, borderline woeful at times, uh, he did overall in the season finish as a 43% shooter from the field, 37% from three. Uh, if he can improve on that and, and potentially get a little bit more run, so he could easily double his points per game from five to 10. So my bold prediction is that he will in fact do that. 
and he will become a solid rotational piece for the Boston Celtics. All right. Cool. Cool. I mean, you're probably wrong because Aaron Neesmith and he's trash, but hey, I like the, op- I like, I like the optimism. All right. Mine is that average Al Horford finds the fountain of youth this season averages 15, eight and five. And hear this out at least finishes in other receiving votes for defensive, uh, all defensive team. When you look at like the, like yeah. the standings at the end of the year, he'll finish. Like, I don't think he'll make it because he won't probably play enough, but uh, he will get some votes for whatever uh, second team. I don't think there's only two defensive teams, I think in the NBA. Yeah. So um, it'll, it'll basically, if you go back and you look at, Oh, who's on the first all defensive first all defensive second. If there is a list of players who all were on, were put on all defensive teams, but didn't get enough votes to yeah. make it on like just, one. just one writer has to put you on it on his all defensive second team. And you get, you get, you can, your name goes on the list of others and stuff yes. like that. He will get at least one vote for an all defensive team this season. Okay. People forget that Al Horford, Okay, this guy was a perennial very good defender, and OKC shut him down because he was so good and they wanted to tank. They literally (laughs) shut him down, and he's had all this time off. He's back in a city that he likes. He's not in Philly where they ran him out of town. He's not in Oklahoma City where the team's trying to lose. He's back in Boston where he likes it. And he's prime. He's prime for a bounce back year this year. All the time off, old man. He's he's ready. All right. Let's wrap this Celtics preview up with kind of it's more of recapping what we've talked about the Celtics, but what our floor, we think the floor and the ceiling is for this team. So I think the ceiling for this team is the three seed for a regular season finish and maybe winning a uh, couple uh, and an Easter, uh, a trip to the Eastern conference finals. I think that's the ceiling for this team. Uh, I think the floor is another trip to the play in series, the play in tournament rather, and not making out of it. I think that's the worst case scenario for the Boston Celtics. What about you, Jonathan? Okay. I think that the ceiling for the Boston Celtics this year is actually going to make is making the NBA finals. Because much like you mentioned, (laughs) sorry, much like you mentioned that Brooklyn is an injury, one injury away from being trash. Milwaukee, in my opinion, is also one injury to Giannis away from being completely garbage. Um, So that happens. The Celtics could easily make the finals. Um, People forget that Giannis did get hurt in the playoffs last year. Um, came back, obviously was fine, but he did sprain his ankle or his knee pretty bad in that Atlanta series. People actually thought he like tore his ACL or something like that. I remember. Yeah. Um, just turned out to be a hyperextended knee. Yeah. I think he so, just missed the remainder of a game and yeah. maybe one more. Yeah. I think he might've missed a game. Yeah. Um, and so that is my, my ceiling for them. Uh, I don't think whoever comes out of the West, I don't think they can beat whoever comes out of the West. Um, my floor for them is they they have to finish top six. 
anything below if they're in the plane tournament again is a complete and other failure that's below the floor my floor is this like the six seed Mm -hmm. got it they gotta have a playoff series um without being in the play game understood all right let's let's uh finally give your and my conference finals and nba finals predictions do you want to get us going first, Jonathan? Sure. Uh, my Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going with Yon. I'm going with the Nets and the Bucks. Um, I have the Nets coming up on top. Has actually has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving at all. I think, as I've said before, him being out is addition by subtraction. They should have beaten the net the the Bucks last year, like with a with a dead Harden walking around. Um, so I think Harden and Durant is is still plenty plenty good enough to be the favorite in the East. So they'll be representing the East. In the West, I will have the Nuggets versus the. I'm gonna go with Golden State. I I got them going with Golden State because I would like the Clippers or Lakers, but I have them four five, and the winner of them will play the Nuggets in the second round. So because of that, I think that the the Warriors, um, you know, they get there. I think they're like a, they're like the team, like they're like the Trailblazers from a couple of years ago, or even the Hawks last year. A team that you're like, wow, that's kind of like, I can't believe they made it to the conference finals. Maybe they might actually somehow win, but then they lose in like five games. Um, that would be that would be my um, take. So then I have Nuggets versus Nets in the NBA finals and I have the Brooklyn Nets winning in six games. Okay. Uh, in the East, I unfortunately am wholeheartedly agreeing with you. It's gotta be the Nets and the Bucks until proven otherwise. Uh, and I likewise have the Nets uh, winning and going to the finals. I know I'm, I'm speculating that the, the Nets have are like one injury away and, Kyrie sitting out the whole season away from being completely out of it. But I ultimately think at the end of the day that Kyrie will suit up for the team and they will have their mega three and they will get to the finals. Cause like you said last year, they should have taken out the bucks and they just were just too banged up between Harden, Durant and Irving to make it happen out West. Uh, I know you're not big on Phoenix, but I am. And I have Phoenix taking on Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. And I have the Suns going back to the NBA Finals. I don't think they will have a hangover. I think, if anything, it'll be a massive building experience for that team. And they will only be more driven to get back and try and right the wrong so to speak. Unfortunately, uh, they go up against Brooklyn. So uh, I, as much as I want to put, uh, as much as I want to say Phoenix is going to win it all, I think that we all know in the NBA, the cream rises to the top and it's really hard to pick against Brooklyn. Uh, in any sort of potential NBA Finals matchup. But that's what I'm going to do. Phoenix over Brooklyn. You heard it here first. No. You heard it here first. Phoenix, NBA champions. Suns. No, no. Suns out, guns out. Let's go. 
No, that's the Phoenix got. Uh, I don't like to cross sports, but Phoenix got Texas Rangers written all over it in that matchup. Texas Rangers lose the Giants in the World Series next year. Lose the Cardinals in the World Series. That's that's got it all written over back to back losers. Phoenix Suns. Well, that's your take, not mine. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this edition of Fix and Talk Sports. Do you have any final thoughts, Jonathan? Um, well, I I don't mind Duke, so I have nothing indecent to say about them. And that's why we have you on these shows. <laughs> that's why yes. we bring you back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, go go Iowa. How about Iowa football? Go Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. All right, yeah. we'll end on that note. So for Anthony Squid, Gabriella, Jonathan Sullivan, I am Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time. Go Duke.